Well, it's been a while, but on this episode of Geek Out Loud, we've got some sad stuff to talk about. We've got some happy stuff to talk about. We've got some old stuff that nobody really pays attention anymore to talk about. But I'd have it no other way. This is the Geek Out Loud podcast. Welcome to the Geek Out Loud podcast. My name is Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you as this is your safe place to geek out. And man, we need a safe place to geek out more than ever these days, don't we? It's good to have you here. And I know it's been a while since we've been back. A while back, I saw someone when when, when my schedule absolutely uh, got knocked off course. Um, or I just changed, my life just changed. Let's say it that way. When when the when the podcasting got relegated back to what it was originally when we first started this thing, someone said, this is how I like my geek out loud, every six to eight weeks and one big long show. So I don't know there's going to be a big long show for you today, but I do know there's some things that have been on my mind, some things I've really just wanted to talk about. And there's a phenomenon involved with that that I'm interested to, to ask you about and see what your thoughts are. And you can share those thoughts at geekoutonline.com. Uh, I mean, uh, geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. Or when we go live, you can listen to us at mixler.com slash goliverse and jump in there with the Mixler Zoo crew uh, while we talk about the things that we are geeking out about <clears throat> and, um, and, and, and do it up. So uh, glad, as we said, glad to have you along with us. And, uh, and to talk about some things, speaking of the websites and the emails and that sort of thing, I know that, you know, in this world, in this day and age of um, short attention spans, out of sight is out of mind. But I do want to encourage you that if you think about it, to use those Amazon links at geekoutpodcast.com, geekoutonline.com, bighonkinshow.com. And uh, also, if you're so inclined, head over to YouTube and subscribe to the Geek Out Loud YouTube channel. What's up there right now? In fact, let me go there. <clears throat> I had started trying to get, you know, look, I'm going to be honest. I was trying to be sharp and, and do videos that I would film and then edit and then voiceover and all this stuff. And, and that's a little harder than I thought it would be. So what is this? Hold on. Geeks out loud. Were these people ripping me off in 2013? Anyway, um, <clears throat> It, it started out as kind of like, hey, look at this stuff. Here's some neat things going on, blah, blah, blah. And I tried to make jokes and, and laugh about some stuff. But look, I'm not good at that. What I'm what I'm okay at is just kind of off-the-cuff stuff. So my friend Lucas, a.k.a. Lethargic Chewy, said let's start. He, he brought over one day a box of Batman trading cards and said, hey, well, I just thought it would be fun to open these and kind of talk and hang out and you know, just something for us to do as geeks. And I was like, we can make a show out of this. <laughs> so we did. We started immediately after that uh, filming ourselves opening wax boxes of toys, or I mean of, of old cards, vintage cards. We did Superman. We've done Return of the Jedi. We've done Jurassic Park. 
We've done Superman 2. And then Michael High Nip was kind enough to send to us another box of Batman cards. And so we did those where, and we actually filmed it and got to talk about 89 Batman and that sort of thing. Um, I understand and I get that, you know, it's kind of hard to sit and watch guys open cards and we're not actually on. We just kind of have the cards there on screen. And so you don't have to, and then we end up talking about toys and showing some of the different things here in my studio area. Um, but, uh, but we try to have fun and, and we try to get better. I, I've tried to change some of the lighting up and try to make things a little bit better. Um, you know, maybe one day we'll actually have a better camera situation going on. That'll be more prone to, to filming these things, but really what, you know, it, it's an improve, it's a, it's a prove as you go kind of thing. And there's nothing steady that's happening over there, but we call it back to the wax packs on the geek out loud channel. And there are other things that I want to do on the channel. Obviously I did enjoy, some of the older things of, um, you know, here's some cards that, that, uh, that I got here are some, uh, here are some toys that are pretty neat. I love, I like to rain star Wars toys down into the light box and, and then talk a little bit about those figures and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, we just kind of doing that kind of stuff, just trying to have a good time with it. So if you're so inclined, check out the geek out loud YouTube channel. We don't really have a, um, a, uh, a, a, a good URL for it yet, but you can go to YouTube and search geek out, geek out loud and it'll, and it'll come up. I, I don't think I've made a pretty link for it yet. I have not. Um, so I need to make a pretty link for it, but I will, I'll do that and, uh, make it easy to find for you, make it easy for you to find the channel and, and see what you come up with there. But, um, yeah, so, so check that out. And of course, if you want to support us at Patreon, patreon.com, slash geek out loud for those of you who do support us on patreon at the five dollar level for the movies and stuff um my wife will actually be out of town tomorrow during the day at the time of recording this and so i'm thinking what i'm going to do is uh let's get together and watch a movie for those of you who are patrons at that level if you have the time if you're available i will make a post and uh and, and put up for you how to watch along with me and uh, we'll do it live at a secret link for patrons only. And uh, hopefully everyone that wants to be a part of that can jump in and, and get in and, and, and watch the movie with us. And, uh, and we may start doing the movies that way as we, with ones that are available to do that way. But um, just as something special for you, and, and as a thank you to those of you who do support us at patreon.com slash geekoutloud, we, we do appreciate it. And I know there hasn't been a lot going on but when you go to geek out on when you go to patreon.com slash geek out loud and you support us big honking shows are coming at you every week there um or you know pretty much every week as we record them as we do the radio show uh they're coming at you and uh and just trying to uh trying to trying to make sure there's content there trying to get better about that it's been kind of difficult but i'm not i'm not complaining i'm not going to to you know whine and and complain uh we're blessed and 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 things have been going okay uh want to say speaking of patreon um where did that go that gummit glossin you're better than this man look this is all kind of an off the cuff geek out loud by the way um speaking of the patreon want to welcome a new uh, member to the Patreon community or patreon.com slash geek out loud. And his name is his or her name is chip chip or Uh, welcome chip. Thank you so much. Also, we got a pledge this month as well from Sean Heller. 
So we welcome Sean and Chip to the Patreon uh, group, the Patreon community over there. And uh, September, is September going to be the be the month we get it ro- rocking and rolling with all the extra content that we want? Who knows? We've still got some... Um, so I tell you, I'll be honest with you, we've still got some forceology left in us. The problem is, is we don't have the time left in us to do the forceology. And so, but that's still coming down the way um, as things calm down for Adam and Arish. And, and Adam's kind of had a rough year, uh, a rough go over in the past year. I mean, I know we all have, but Adam's had some personal things going on. We want to watch some more cartoons with you and that sort of thing. So just hang in there, bear with us. We really want to make this a, a special thing. And, and so we appreciate your support over at patreon.com slash geek out loud. And, uh, and we appreciate your support in subscribing to us at, uh, at the geek out loud YouTube. We've got 161 subscribers. We'll do like a big celebratory live, uh, you know, uh, live stream. Thank you. Live stream. When we get to like 200 or 250, I don't know what, when you're supposed to do those, but you know, at the, uh, at the, at the proper member anniversary or subscriber anniversary and, and, uh, but we appreciate you being a part of everything we do at Geek Out Loud. I believe that's enough plugs um, out of the way, and uh, and we'll we'll uh, we'll get into some other stuff here. Now, um, you know, I I, I don't. A, a lot of times on the Big Honkin' Show, I will start out a segment, the the very first segment of the show, talking about something really serious, you know, and I and I mean like being sincerely serious about current events or things that are going on, uh, today. Um, and then the, then, and it's like, there's a challenge to me to actually pull the nose up and, and make something exciting. But so here's what I, and so I'm going to go ahead and do that today. I'm going to do that with geek out loud. Um, because I just want to get this. I don't, how do I say this without sound? I want to, I want to, I want to say this so we can move on. So it's not hanging over my head for the rest of the episode. We were all so saddened to hear about the passing of Chadwick Boseman. My wife and I were sitting in the living room uh, watching something on TV uh, the other night, and she was just kind of scrolling through Facebook and, and saw it as the news hit and and basically said, Chadwick Boseman died. And I was like, what? There's, that's not real. And so I began immediately, you know, pick up my phone, begin to do the Google, and sure enough, um, Chadwick Boseman passed away after a battle with colon cancer for the past four years and, uh, really, really tragic. And I know that many of us became fans of his because of his portrayal of the Black Panther, which, you know, he got to, he got to breathe as, as some of these other Marvel Cinematic Universe actors did. He got to breathe rarefied air where he was the first person to really bring life to, to, to these characters and do it in such a way that we can't imagine anyone else stepping into that role. Um, you know, I, I think that because the Hulk had been cast and recast and recast, you know, that we were able to kind of accept anyone that does that role well. Same thing with someone like Spider-Man. You know, we all love Tom Holland, but remember, we all loved Tobey Maguire. And a big portion of us liked Andrew Garfield. And, and so I think that that you know but when you come to like a tony stark you know who has been who who's been portrayed so well by robert downey jr i don't think any of us can imagine anyone being that character but him um christopher reeve you know defines superman for a generation of people and i don't know that anyone has ever gotten out from under that shadow of christopher reeve well that's what chadwick boseman has done for the black panther i don't know 
that there's anyone who could ever bring that character to life in a satisfactory way to to fans right now. And I don't think that that's the, what, what you need to be focusing on. I think what we need to focus on about Chadwick Boseman's passing are a couple of things. One is... Um, the impact he makes just by the just by the very reputation of he was battling this disease he was battling it privately with friends and family only knowing about it and when you go back when you step back four years in the time he was diagnosed apparently four years ago that's put you in in the midst of 2016 the civil war was being released okay but there was the work being done on black panther there was the work being done on Infinity War and Endgame. Um, so there are three movies that he was doing for the Marvel Cinematic Universe that were being worked on at that time. So he's fighting this this battle uh, while he's doing this work and doing great work. But it's not just him as Black Panther. Th- this dude was just an outstanding actor. I I was first aware of him watching Get On Up, a biopic about James Brown, and he did fantastic. Like, and then um, he had a he had a supporting role in um, Draft Day with Kevin Costner, and his character just kind of leapt off the screen to me like this. And I said this back uh, before Civil War was coming out, when you know when it was when his casting and everything was announced. I remember talking to Erich about it and saying the things that I've watched this guy in, he just he he really popped off the screen to me. You can go back and listen to those episodes and hear me say that. He just really had a magnetism and a and a charisma about him that just came through what he was doing on screen. And I mean that's that's talent, but that's also just a natural, like I say, a natural charisma. There was just something about the guy that absolutely just caused him to pop for me in the in the roles that I got to see him play outside the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, um, and, and then, like I said, he did a, he did an iconic job of, of portraying, uh, T'Challa, the Black Panther. So now we sit here and, 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 and he's gone. And I know that for a lot of fans, you know, we make it about ourselves and well, who will be Black Panther now? Anyone that's asking that question has really the wrong priorities in life. Um, and as I say, whenever there's a celebrity death, you know, none of us are nearly as affected as the family members of and the and the close friends of of these individuals, and so we need to recognize they're actual human beings with family who are grieving, legitimately grieving, not just kind of not just a twinge of sadness in their heart. I don't want to dismiss that for any of us, but they're they're legitimately grieving the passing of, of their loved one. But there's here's the other thing I want to say that I've I've noticed in in the light of his passing. There has not been one individual, one news site, one podcast that I'm aware of, one YouTube channel that has used this as an opportunity to be divisive. In fact, apparently it's the one thing right now in in geek culture and geekdom that we can all agree on, and that is that we are incredibly saddened by the um, by his passing. Um, this is, uh, this is, this is something that everyone has agreed on and it's, it's a, it's a tragic common ground. You know, it's not common ground that you want to see, uh, be the case. It's not, it's not common ground that you, that you say, Hey, this is a good place for us all to, to be united. 
but it's common ground that we've all found ourselves standing on, and that is the tragedy and the sadness over the tragedy of the passing of Chadwick Boseman. Well, here's what I want to say about that. <clears throat> if we can all be united in that grief, if we can all stop our, our little silly divisiveness and, and trying to do gotcha with each other and trying to, to be hateful toward one another as we grieve over the passing, and as, as only, you know, as, as fans do, you know, grieve over the passing of this actor, then that means there's something that we all agreed on about his work and, and, and his life. We all agree that if we're all sad, there's a reason we're all sad. And so there's common ground that we can find there in, 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 the, in the good stuff, in the happy things that we enjoyed him in, whether it was 42 or Get On Up or Black Panther or any of these, any of his countless, you know, portrayals of different, uh, different historical figures or, you know, different roles that he played. Um, if, we, if we can find that common ground, then here's what I say to all of us who, who, who may be looking for common ground or may not even be looking for common ground. Um, we, we can find it. We can stop trying to plant our flags in the sand, stop trying to, um, to, to, to pull apart from one another, we can stop trying to, to find every reason to argue and fight over every little thing. And I don't mean like the fun arguments like who has the better rogues gallery, Batman or Spider-Man, you know, Marvel or DC or, you know, um, Star Wars or Star Trek. I don't mean those kind of fun little discussions. I mean like the stuff, I mean, people have been just ugly, ugly, ugly to one another in recent years. And here's an opportunity to stop in the midst of a shared shared pain or shared grief and find common ground to actually come back to a place where we celebrate what we enjoy. We don't pick it apart because it doesn't meet our social criteria or our, um, or, or, or our, you know, uh, our list of things that must be present for this to be considered good that we just say, you know what, we love this stuff and we're all saddened by someone who made it, who enhanced it so much for us. And now instead of fight and bicker as we grieve together, we're going we're gonna to work now to find some common ground with one another. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's a great way to move forward in, in, in our love of all things geek and pop culture. I think it's a it's something that that would be very helpful to every single one of us if if we would if we would do that um you know i don't know what happens moving forward i don't know you know what marvel's going to do moving forward and and i don't think it's time to have that discussion right now um i think that we just kind of wait and see what's going on you know um but i do know that that this also should cause and should stop us all to pause and, and reflect on our own personal mortality. Uh, Bozeman was 43. He was born like a year before I was, or or in the year before I was born, and and um, and that's one of those things that really drive home a uh, a lot, a lot of stuff, and and it causes me to stop and consider 
should death find me, what is the legacy I'm leaving behind? And and what is the what is the the afterlife hold for me? And everyone knows where I stand when it comes to the afterlife. That there the only hope we have in this life is what is in the hereafter, and the only way we have hope in the hereafter is in the person of Jesus Christ and in, in having a relationship with God through him. As far as the legacy I've left, you know, I, I have a life that is filled with mistakes and regrets and everything else. But I hope that as I come to the end of my days that that what is said of me is not just standard what you have to say about people when they go home, when they go on in. But I hope that there can legitimately be good things said about me in the midst of all of my failures and mistakes. I hope that that the legacy that I leave is a legacy that says, you know what, he, he loved God and he loved people, and this is how he showed it. And I hope that would be your legacy as well, and, and I hope that that is something that, that, that you would find the ability to, to do in your life, that, that you would make your life about something greater than you, and, um, and, that, and that we would really start to try to do work to find common ground rather than just work to win an argument or rather than work to win for our side, you know, to own the other side, that maybe we would begin to work to find some common ground because we all found it here. You know, it got thrust upon us or we got thrust upon it, but we found it. So I hope we could do that. And I hope that if you don't know, if you don't have the hope for your hereafter that, that you would find it. And that's a conversation I'm always willing to have with anybody that wants to have that. So, Chadwick Boseman has died at 43, and he will be greatly missed. Now, how do you move forward from that? I have no idea, ladies and gentlemen. I I do not know uh, where we go from there. I I know that um, as much as... As much as I talk about the common ground that this sad thing has brought us to and, and, and put us in the midst of uh, in, in our lives, there's, there's some common ground that I've found myself having lately that really has, um, has kind of bothered me and disturbed me. Uh, I, I've been wanting to sit down and do Geek Out Loud, uh, Geek Out Loud again for months. I mean, the last one we did was our celebration of the 40th anniversary of The Empire Strikes Back uh, when Jimmy Mack joined us. On episode 257, that was way back in May, June, July, August. It's been over, it's been three months since we've done a Geek Out Loud. And I have really been wanting to do a Geek Out Loud. And and for whatever reason, in the past six weeks or so, one of the things I've really been wanting to talk about on Geek Out Loud has been the Incredible Hulk. Now, uh, you know, there's there has been in the back of my mind, I think I'm the only person who realizes I'm doing this. But in the back of my mind, I've been wanting to walk through the Marvel Cinematic Universe soundtracks, uh, the scores. And so with the, when, the, when the final trailer for The Last Jedi was getting ready to drop one night, we were doing a live show, and I got to talk a little bit about the Iron Man soundtrack, and then we just moved on uh, once the trailer dropped. But, um, but that leads me then to the next movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is one that everyone overlooks, nobody talks about, Nobody wants anybody to have it. You know, we don't want to. We don't want to act like it existed. But it's the Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton uh, in the role of of Bruce Banner, Liv Tyler in the role of Betty, 
we got Doc Sampson in there. We got uh, this is this was William Hurt as um, General Thunderbolt Ross. Um, it, it, you know, we got the Abomination. Sam Stearns was introduced. You know, who who was supposed to become the leader, and there was a lot of of promises that have been apparently left on the table uh, because of you know they're just. You know, everything we've heard is, well, because it's still a universal property, you know, when it comes to cinematics, that we, we probably won't get a, a full-on Hulk movie. Um, Tim Roth played the Abomination, Emil Blonsky. That's who I was trying to think of just then when I said Abomination. Um, but it, to me, I this is a movie that I loved, especially after Ang Lee's Hulk. When you watch Ang Lee's Hulk, what you realize is, is, is Ang Lee was trying to make a cerebral movie that people who wanted a Hulk movie just weren't quite ready for. Um, in fact, Ang Lee's movie belongs between Infinity War, what Ang Lee should have, let me, let me, let me make this statement. Between Infinity War and Endgame, when the Hulk kind of merges all his personalities, that's when you want to get into the stuff that Ang Lee was getting into. All the, the backstory, all the mental uh, scarring, all the psychological issues that Bruce has, you know, you get into, and then you get the Hulk joined together. Then you get into all that. And honestly, what people are calling the Professor Hulk version, I don't think that the Hulk in Endgame was Professor Hulk. I think what we got in the Hulk in Endgame was something that was very prior to the Professor Hulk, and it was something that Banner actually was able to accomplish a couple of times, and that's where he took over the Hulk's body with his mind. Um, you know, Banner makes it sound like, well, me and the Hulk agreed to do this, but it's still there's still a lot of banner in there without a lot of the Hulk. Professor Hulk was actually originally, according when you know when Peter David wrote it, was um, was the Gray Hulk who was not as strong as the Green Hulk, but had an attitude, was smart, you know, not as not a genius like Bruce Banner, but had had all the attitude that Bruce never could have. The Gray Hulk, who was that? The Green Hulk, who was like the super strong, you know, big dumb Hulk smash kind of guy. And Bruce, they all merge together. And then comes out this green, this giant Green Hulk, who is called, who eventually got called Professor Hulk, um, who was emerging of all their personalities and strengths. And so he's super strong. He had the intelligence of Bruce Banner. He had the attitude of the Gray Hulk. And, um, and he was that person for a while. And it was a really just, it was a really cool take on the Hulk where, you know, you got to see him be a superhero and, uh, but, but still kind of a bit outcast and that sort of thing. And then, um, and then Peter David wrote in some things where when he got mad, when he got super mad, where he'd almost lose control, he would actually revert back to the body of Bruce Banner while he had the mind of, you know, the Hulk smash Hulk and that sort of thing. So, so what we got in, in the end game was actually, in my opinion, Hulk um, under the influence of, of, of Bruce Banner, which in the comics never worked out. It would happen and it would be that way for a while. In fact, back in the 80s, leading into Secret Wars in Marvel Comics, the Hulk was uh, under the control of Bruce Banner. And there's that great issue of, of Secret Wars, which I believe, don't hold me to this, Secret Wars number four, and, um, and, uh, excuse me real quick. Um, I just got a text that Ollie's here has some vintage Star Wars figures. 
So, gotta go to Ollie's. All right, we'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud. Boom, 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 boom. No, um, Secret Wars number four, I believe, is the issue with um the Hulk, uh, holding up a mountain. And um, as he's as he's under the mountain, to to save all the heroes who the upon whom the mountain has been dropped, uh. Reed starts just saying, Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic of the Fantastic Four, starts saying some hateful things to the Hulk. And he just, and the Hulk's getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And, uh, and it's also, he can, because he knows that the matter, he, Reed knows the matter the Hulk gets, the stronger he gets. And so what he's trying to do is that. But when the Hulk comes back from Secret Wars, he is kind of snapped. You know, Bruce has lost control and you get a very savage Hulk and, and they they end up sending him into uh, they end up sending him to the crossroads of infinity, and that's where you get into a lot of the psychological things that went on. You find out a lot about Bruce when he comes back. They sever, it's a it's a long old story, so we won't get into all that. But anyhow, um, I've been wanting to talk about um, about this uh, this this whole. Um, this whole incredible Hulk thing. And, and, and of course it starts with wanting to talk about the soundtrack and moves in or the score, I should say soundtrack and score, two different things. And, and that moved me into, um, wanting to talk a little, wanting to kind of somehow I got the show on my mind. This, this whole Peacock app that has come about, uh, we, we, we downloaded that old Peacock app and it had a lot of great classic TV on it. I'm like, well, this is cool, but something made me think, Oh, I know what it was. I was flipping through Amazon Prime, and they had the Return of the Incredible Hulk on Amazon Prime. Now, for those of you who don't know what the Return of the Incredible Hulk is, ladies and gentlemen, the Return of the Incredible Hulk was really the first um, Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of crossover thing because in Return of the Incredible Hulk, we have the original cast of the Incredible Hulk, Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno, the regulars. Uh, Jack Corbin, as Jack McGee was there as well. Jack Corbin, oh man, now I'm in trouble because I don't remember what his name is. Um, but uh, yeah, so he he's in there as well. And we're introduced to uh, the, the, the Donald Blake, who found a, found a hammer and is uh is able to call upon the power of thor and so donald blake and thor are in the incredible hulk the return of the incredible hulk and and so then there would be the trial of the incredible hulk and and that had daredevil and then in the death of the incredible hulk there was not a crossover but truly 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 um what what you could have had what you had a character who very well could have been um could have been uh the uh the the black widow uh let's see so it's inc- i always get confused it's the incredible hulk returns not the return of the incredible hulk but anyhow so that was on that and the trial of the incredible hulk were on amazon prime and so i'm sitting there i'm like yes and i watched the incredible hulk returns and i got to tell you something this is a a a a show that has been um that has been a huge part of my life. I remember when it first aired on TV and and absolutely loving it as a kid because the Incredible Hulk was back. I'd watched the Incredible Hulk as a kid and I was so excited about 
um, this being on. And, and it was. And so my thing was, I was just excited to see The Incredible Hulk. I wasn't quite into comics at this time, so it didn't really hit me how big a deal it was that Thor was in this in this show. Um, but he was, but they have a they have a whole battle the Hulk and Thor do in this in this laboratory. And 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 then of course it's now, you know, but at this point, Bruce Banner had not become the Hulk for um two years, two or three years. And he had found love with Dr. Maggie Shaw at this place. And at the end, when he when they break into the sad walking away music, I was sitting there. It was late at night. I, my wife had gone to bed. And I was just watching this all by myself. And at the end, as he's walking away with this sad walking away music, um, I found myself getting choked up. Because for the first time in my life, now I'd watched this, you know, since I was a kid. But it was always just kind of, I watched it very tongue-in-cheek. I watched it very much, just kind of like, you know, nostalgia, just getting my nostalgia fix. But I, I think it was a combination of being tired, being married, um, you know, and, and really having found love that's to last a lifetime and, and really kind of being a little bit further along in life where I really saw the performances of, of like, of, of Bill Bixby for what it was. I always said it was overacting, but he just had this way of, just giving himself completely to what he was doing in this show. And so, you know, and there was a charm that was about him with, with people. And, and, it, and what you got was a dude who was a little bit nerdy, but wasn't ashamed of it, you know. So he'd make bad jokes and he would, you know, he and he just had this chemistry with the people he was on screen. But it, so as he's walking away and 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 this woman who he'd been with for all these years now steps out onto her porch and sees him walking down the beach and the dog's barking like come back come back and she's like he's gone you know it just it caused me to choke up because I'm like wow this is just tragic so before I got into watching the trial of the incredible hulk I thought you know what I wonder if this is available to stream I have some I don't have all the seasons on DVD but I have like a a box set that was like the best of the incredible hulk and I have like season 1 and season 2 I think I'm like, I wonder, and you know, we're all too lazy these days to go get a DVD, put it in the player and play it. We want to, to be able to stream. And so I'm like, I wonder if this is streaming anywhere. Well, it's streaming on the NBC app. The NBC app is free, ladies and gentlemen, and you're going to get commercials on it. And when I say commercials, I mean, when they go to commercial break, it's going to be a good five commercials, just like you're watching regular TV. And so I'm like, okay, well, it's not on the Peacock app, but it's on the NBC app. So I downloaded the NBC app and I started watching and I haven't been binge watching the Incredible Hulk. I'll watch an episode a night or every other night, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of watching along and along. My goodness. I, I totally understand why this show was a hit. I mean, it ran from 1977 to like 1982. And apparently the ratings were still pretty good when they canceled it. CBS just decided they wanted to go a different direction with things. Um, because I, as I understand, they were still writing episodes and stuff, but I, it, I totally understand as a kid, I was just like, I want to see the Hulk, you know? And I was a little kid too. You're talking about, you know, when I was able, the stuff I'm able to remember is like from three and four, you know, watching this thing and five years old watching this thing. And, uh, and I just, I'm watching and, and they get into so many things, you know, with his psyche, with his mentality, he's looking for a cure. He's trying to avoid, Jack McGee, you know, he's he's wanted for a murder, you know, and, and the world thinks he's dead. So he has to avoid anyone that would recognize him 
is not being dead. But there, there are episodes where people do know who he is. And it's really fun when people say, well, you know what? Banner was writing about this. Dr. Banner was, David Banner was writing about this. He's like, oh yeah, but Banner thought blah, 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 blah. And, 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 and it's just like, oh, that's really cool. And, but it is sad. It is absolutely one of the most tragic shows ever to air because at the end, you know, we, the Lonely Man theme has become a joke to so many people, but it is so daggum tragic as he is walking away from people that he has genuinely made connections with. And there are a few that actually show back up. I, I say a few, I can think of one that actually shows back up, but it, but they also play off of what has gone on in his past because he gets married and she dies, you know. Um, he references what went on in the pilot several times throughout the show. So it's uh, it's just really, really, I've, I've loved watching it. But I don't think that that it would play. I don't, here's the thing. The last time I really watched Incredible Hulk like this, I was binge watching it, like from, from disc, from episode to episode, disc to disc to disc. And... I don't think it plays well that way. I don't think the Incredible Hulk plays super well in back-to-back binge-style watching. I think it's just really, really, really good stuff. So I'd encourage you to get the NBC app. It's not the Peacock app. It is the NBC app. I wish they would merge and just all the stuff that's on the NBC app would go on over to Peacock because they also have the $6 million man and the bionic woman. They've got Knight Rider, both the old and the newer versions. And so I'm hoping maybe A-Team will show up there because A-Team used to come on NBC, as I recall. Uh, I don't remember if they were a universal show, though. A lot of this is NBC universal things. But anyhow, so I've been into that. And it all started because of just I had on my mind the Incredible Hulk. And then Prime had the Incredible Hulk returns and the trial of the Incredible Hulk for streaming. But then here's what I've noticed. I've wanted to get on and talk about this stuff, and I've got Incredible Hulk toys I want to show off on the YouTube channel. You know, I want to kind of go through my Incredible Hulk collection, which isn't very expansive, but it's there. Um, and and so I'm just talking, talking, talking. And there's been no fun had really as I'm talking about the Hulk. Here's what here's what I wanted to do. I almost I wanted to play this a little bit. This is from the Incredible Hulk Returns here. This is Thor has knocked Bruce Banner into an electrical panel. And he just pulled him off in slow motion. And now Donald Blake turns him over and there are the eyes. Yes! Odin's beard. Odin's beard. They're watching him change. They're sitting here and they're just watching him change and they're backing up as he changes. It's amazing, you know, and you're getting your classic cuts to a shirt ripping, a shoe ripping open and that sort of thing. And now the Hulk pulls himself up, all in slow motion, by the way. And there he is in all of his glory. Throws the shirt off and does the flex. And I mean, Lou Ferrigno was cut in this particular uh, made-for-TV movie. And now Thor's excited because he's going to get to fight. And this is where the line, this will send you back to hell, you ugly troll, comes from. And it's a line that I wish we'd have gotten in the Avengers when Hulk and um, Thor were fighting. Because I, I think that would have been such a great inside thing that only people like myself and Professor Michael Bailey got. 
good night, Lou Frigno is cut. And he just picked up Thor, and he's tossing him over to the side. And Thor is loving life. So, any I mean, like, we could do some play-by-play -play on this thing. I should do a commentary on this. I could have a blast with this. So, anyway. Um, so, yeah, that, that brought me into the whole Incredible Hulk. And <laughs> I just, I'm getting sucked in, ladies and gentlemen. The Hulk, now, I will say that. The only thing they really knew for the Hulk to do a lot of was just sit there and flex and growl. Also, I didn't realize that Lurch from the Adams Family, Ted Cassidy, did like the opening monologue. There it was. And he throws the hammer at Hulk. He hits Hulk with the hammer. And Hulk goes flying back into some electrical panels and stuff. You know, obviously everyone is depowered from what they would be in the comics and even in the Marvel cinematic universe because i mean these are real people there's not a lot of digital stuff going on the digital stuff are lightning bolts you know crawling around the hulk's body uh and uh and so it it's 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 good stuff anyway check that out on amazon prime check out the incredible hulk television show on um on on the nbc app and i would encourage you to give the marvel cinematic universe movie the incredible hulk a second look if you haven't watched it in a while it is it is really good and it follows a it follows kind of a formula that was set out in the uh, in the Ang Lee Hulk where you only see the Hulk kind of in shadow at first and then you see him a little bit more the second time around and then the third time you see him you get to see him in all of his glory and everything and that's kind of what happens here um, in in this one because he turns initially in the in the soda factory and then at the Culver University the actual transformation takes place in smoke and gas and tear gas and then um, he transforms you get to see the full transformation actually take place back and forth in Stern's laboratory and then the final transformation you don't see at all it's just this great moment where really they ruined it in the trailer because he he's he thinks he's cured and he's trying to turn into the Hulk by getting his pulse rate up as he falls out of the helicopter to go stop the abomination. And um, and they did a great callback to that in Thor Ragnarok. where And, and so he hits the ground um, and goes through the road. And then you see the green hand come up out of the asphalt and he and abomination charge each other and have a fight. So if you will bear with me a little bit, I want to look at this soundtrack. Now, I'm no David Collins. I'm not, I don't have the musical training and that sort of thing to really... Uh, to really kind of break down, you know, what is this and what is that and what's going on. But I do, but there are some themes that run through this particular movie. The score was done by Craig Armstrong, composed by Craig Armstrong. He has a pretty substantial um, uh, IMDb page where not only is he a composer, but he's also performed on some of the movies as far as like, uh, you know, worked on playing instrument stuff in, in the in different parts. Um, he composed the, the, the music to Moulin Rouge back in 2001. Uh, a lot of people love The Great Gatsby. He was the composer on that. Uh, the composer on Snowden from 2016. Uh, so three really kind of different films, you know, Moulin Rouge, the, the music between the music, that sort of thing. And, um, and then, uh, and then Snowden a little bit more uh, technical and stuff. So um, he he his his IMDb has some different stuff, and there's a lot of uh, in under under performer 
or under the soundtrack, he's got credits where he produced some things, he wrote some things, and he performed some different things. But as far as his composer credits go, um, they're pretty extensive as well. Uh, from starting in 1989 with a TV miniseries, uh, rolling up through, I guess his big, big break for movie-wise for composing would have been Moulin Rouge and then... Uh, I vaguely remember something called Kiss of the Dragon, um, which was a Jet Li movie, Jet Li and Bridget Fonda in 2001. He composed the score uh, for it. And um, and then uh, he was involved a lot in some Madonna videos as a performer and arranged some different pieces in other movies, like I say. Uh, he composed the music for Must Love Dogs, Fever Pitch, World Trade Center, Ray, uh, the, the Ray Charles uh, biopic in 2004 with uh, Jamie Foxx. So, you know, d- did just a lot of good, 45 different composi- composer credits on his IMDb. Uh, but we're focusing in here on The Incredible Hulk from 2008. And it it's a really interesting th- score because, again, if you go back and listen to Incredible Hulk music through the years we're all very familiar with you know joseph harnell's um uh incredible hulk music from from the incredible from the tv show joe harnell uh, the, the the lonely man thing became iconic you know i mean but you also had the whole main theme that went on um which was this And this is without the voiceover and everything. And this has got an orchestra going with it. And this is actually a little bit, this is an extended version of it. Here's the actual, what was on TV for most of the thing. Dr. David Benner, physician, scientist. But you hear that Lonely Man theme is something that plays throughout the whole thing. But then you've got that, bum, 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 which is kind of like the Hulk theme um, when you when you get to it from that. But, you know, you had a little bit of a disco thing going on. You had some different, uh, he would compose different music for different um, things. But, you know, a lot of it was a lot of library music that would kind of get, um, get, uh, get recycled and stuff throughout, throughout the series. Um, again, this is the most iconic piece from you know that that is honestly that's the most iconic piece of music from the Incredible Hulk television series. Um, outside of that, you know, beyond that, you had the cartoon um, that played in the '80s, which you know is is not as memorable, nowhere near as memorable. As, uh, as, as, as the Lonely Man theme and that sort of thing. Um, so we will, uh, so, uh, so I I don't have, I'm I'm trying to think if I've got that, if I can pull that up or not. Um, that, that's one that's not going to be as easy to, to pull up real quick. 
And it's not one that's really, really memorable either um, because, again, it was a Saturday morning cartoon. And, you know, I remember it, of course, because it's the Hulk. But uh, here it is. You know, I mean, like, it's it's what you expect. That It's very melodramatic. It's the big, you know, bombastic timpanies. It's, uh, you know, slow and plodding and methodical like the Hulk would be, you know, trying to be big and everything. Um, but now the 1982 show, you know, was really kind of, it was more closely related to the comics than, uh, than, of course, the movie. You had Betty. You had Rick Jones. Rick Jones! Um and and so but it was no it wasn't as much like the comics as even the 90s show was uh and that's found on disney plus right now that's actually not a bad cartoon of the incredible hulk it's a little bit you know silly at times um it very much a product of the 90s when you know hulk says things like hulk smash and bash uh but um and it's and its opening was a lot more um a lot more, you know, nineties tonal and, and, uh, you know, just a lot of noise more than anything. Here it is. Well, this is a, this is a teaser for it first, I guess. Um, let's see if I can get to the, um, here we go. Trying to get, here's, here's a piece of it for you. What was really cool about this is that Lou Ferrigno actually did the voice of the Hulk in that cartoon. Um, and he would reprise that role as the voice of the Hulk for the Incredible Hulk movie. When Hulk says Hulk smash at the end, and when he says Betty, uh, that is, that's Lou Ferrigno doing that voice, just like he did for the cartoon in the 90s. Um, they were chasing, I mean, look, Marvel Studios, Marvel Animation was chasing that X-Men, uh, Spider-Man vibe. As you know, They tried to do Fantastic Four, they did Iron Man. Those cartoons just didn't quite have the quality of the X-Men on Fox and Spider-Man on Fox. And even the Hulk didn't have quite that quality. The Hulk was a little more quality than the Fantastic Four cartoon and the Iron Man cartoon at the time. Uh, but it wasn't quite up to the quality of like the X-Men cartoon and, and definitely not the Spider-Man cartoon. Um but it was, you know, it's still, it was closer to the comics because you got the Grey Hulk, you got She-Hulk, uh, the Fantastic Four actually showed up, you know, you're actually kind of in comic book world. He was fighting Hulk villains, leader, abomination, gargoyle, uh, you know, General, he was on the run from General Ross a lot. So Rick Jones was in there, Rick Jones. So, you know, but, but the Hulk, honestly, the sound that was most associated with the Incredible Hulk through all these years has been that original Lonely Man theme from the old TV show. And when you get to Danny Elfman's score for Hulk in 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 the early 2000s, when was that? Was that 2004 that that came out? Um it it was uh it was okay, you know. There was a lot of um kind of earthy, new agey kind of stuff and also remember at this time 
this was during the era of superhero movies where they were trying to attach some type of pop or rock or pop rock song to it. So at the end, you had Set Me Free um, from Scott with Scott Whalen. It was really, um, well, I guess it was just, I don't think it was quite Velvet Revolver, Scott Weiland. Um, but, uh, but you had that going on, but you didn't really have, it wasn't iconic. Now, it did seem different for Danny Elfman from what he'd done with some other stuff. Danny Elfman found his superhero theme with Batman, and he really kind of played that that card, even in his Spider-Man stuff. You know, his Spider-Man stuff is is not quite as as dark and foreboding as Batman, but there's some Batman in that mess, and uh, and and there's a little bit of it here too in his in his stuff for the Hulk. Now, again, you get a little more kind of worldly, kind of you know some and some different, you know. Eastern type sounding instruments and that sort of thing. But this was kind of it right here. The you know, it was just kind of that motif throughout most of this film. And then the big But I will say he never really had the dun dun like he did with Batman. The um, da, 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 dun, dun. you know, Batman and Spider-Man shared a couple of chords that were very similar. I'm just going to say that, and he did a good job of kind of getting away from that in this. But you know, Hulk was was, you know, I think it's been. I think that there are criticisms that are easily laid at the feet of that film, Ang Lee's Hulk, um, and and I can't argue much of them, much of those criticisms. I have rewatched it in the past year. And I got to say, you know, my biggest problems is, um, it, my biggest problem with it is everybody whispers. Like it's supposed to be this powerful, huge thing. And the sound of the movie was so muted, uh, with the way that everyone carries on their dialogue. Uh, even, even once the explosions and everything start, ha starts happening. But I love the Hulk in that film because the Hulk leaps, for miles at a time, just like in the comics, he's bigger than life. And they hadn't quite gotten the CG down for stuff at that point, but it was still, there was a lot of weird things said about that Hulk at the time that I kind of disagreed with. You know, all you're missing in that Hulk's rendering is a few pores here and there in his skin. Um, and, and you've got a really good Hulk, but I mean, he's got the build of a, of a giant Brock Lesnar. And I think it's just a great look. So, you know, I didn't really defend that film for four years, but I was, I was just kind of like what people didn't like. And I'm like, yeah, but it's got some good stuff in it. It really does have some great action sequences in it. And then the Incredible Hulk came along and I'm like, oh, thank God. And because I really, really did enjoy this. And I felt like all the right homages were paid in it. But also the soundtrack is not really that bad. It's actually pretty good. And there are varying themes throughout this particular soundtrack it's available it they actually released a two disc set of this through amazon exclusively that really kind of walks through the film in a very good way like it is it is just it is it is the movie music laid out on those cds and it's still available to amazon music for you to pick up if you're if you're so inclined here's the main title um from it here There, that, dun, 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 that's really kind of the Hulk 
out theme. Um, you'll hear that a lot with the Hulk. But now we're going to move into this. these rolling strings and everything get used a lot when there's like some movement taking place when there's danger happening and that sort of thing or building up to danger or building up to the hulk out and there's the hulk Now we're moving into kind of the moving, like on the move kind of stuff that's going on. Because again, this is just the, this is the opening credits and you're kind of getting a flavor. But Armstrong holds back a lot in, in this, what is, what is to come musically in, in this movie. There is a deleted scene uh, that you can get on the Blu-ray or maybe on the special features of the digital editions that is actually a, a deleted scene that was supposed to open the film up altogether. And it's Bruce going out into the Arctic, and he goes up on top of a mountain. He's going to kill himself. And he puts the gun in his mouth, You and it cuts away, and you hear the trigger pulled, but then you see the shadow of the Hulk. And he turned into the Hulk. The Hulk would not let him die, which comes right out of some, some comic stuff from the time. And the Hulk, you know, pitches a fit and causes an avalanche. Well, in that avalanche, you can pause it, and you can see in one place the outline of a man with a shield. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's supposed to kind of be Captain America. There are all kinds of Captain America links in this, in this movie because you're dealing with the military. Uh, you, it talks about the super soldier serum and everything. But in that piece, that piece of music that would have gone with that scene, because apparently that scene was cut very late in the game, is actually Craig Armstrong composed and recorded music for it. And it's on the soundtrack before you get to the main title. And in that piece is actually where you get kind of the gamut of the different themes that are going to be heard throughout this, uh, throughout, throughout the, throughout the film. Um, this plays immediately, we roll out of the main title into this, and it's our introduction to where he's at now down in Brazil. Right there, that one, two, three, four, that kind of comes back around uh, when he's kind of looking for cures, when he's when he's a little bit on the move, kind of deal. When there's when there's something kind of happening, it's not it's not really sad or bad. It's just kind of like there's stuff happening, and Bruce is trying to make some stuff happen. Because as we go through this, we're seeing him we're seeing him eat. There's okay. Dun, 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 dun. That's a Bruce and Betty theme, and uh, and so and it kind of plays throughout this. It it really swells up when it's their theme together, but it it it's kind of an underlying theme throughout out this. Kind of the way that John Williams used the Han and Leia theme in Empire uh, in different ways throughout that movie in Empire Strikes Back. Um, 
but it is it's a beautiful piece of music when you get to it. it it's really this is an underrated soundtrack but you hear all the kind of the percussions and everything it puts you there in south america and later central america with him as as he goes through these things but there's also because of the way the music plays to me there's nothing bad happening here he's just kind of training his body he's doing different things but there's a tension behind it all and i think that that's one of the cool things about what this soundtrack does is is it doesn't it's not always really big and bombastic but it's never really it never truly truly lets you breathe and relax until there are moments there are quiet moments where the hulk and betty are together or bruce and betty are together but outside of that you never really get to breathe there's always seems to be a tension the the, the music keeps moving the music kind of keeps this this feeling of you hear it You hear how it kind of builds, like what's going on? And this is where he's getting slapped by the guy that's teaching him to control his pulse and stuff. Um, you know, but we see him go to work. We see him go to, to all kinds of, you know, go through all kinds of different things happening. But um, but as he's in Brazil there, you know, he gets found out by the military because a drop of blood gets into a soda that, that gets home. And um, let's see what's going on here. Here we go. This is a track called That Is The Target, and this is where things are. Going nuts. Because they think they're after the scientist. Well, then the Hulk shows up in a very, in a, in a scene that really homages, pays homage to the old TV show and the way that Bruce turns into the Hulk and everything and why he does. So you can kind of hear the chase that's going on here. You can hear that there's some running from, not only running from the military, but now running from these bullies from his work, you know, that he's trying to get away from. And the truth is throughout from, th this is track 10. We were just on track three. Between track three and track 10 of this, of this thing, you never really get to breathe. And, and not in a bad way, but just in a way you realize there's always some underlying tension there. And I think that's kind of one of the subtle things about this soundtrack, at least it sticks out to me, that's really special. But now it's ramped up. Now we're in the midst of it. Now, see, now it's getting nuts. You see? And there's the Hulk. They did a great thing there where they kind of run those strings up, you know? And it really, in that moment, it does pay so much homage to the, uh, to the way that when his eye, because they show a shot of his eyes turning green and the way that banners would turn that whitish, that greenish white. You know, and you have that high-pitched kind of scrawl across the strings. That's kind of what goes on there. And then 
here's the Hulk. It's just this really great kind of homage to me. I've said homage a lot, but I think that's one of the things that really worked about this movie was the way it paid homage to the original television series. And now the fight's on, and that is the target. You know, Blonsky says, hey, there's something big in here. And Ross is like, that's the target. Get him, get him, get him. You know, and it, it's just a, and, and you've got all that mess. And, it's, and it really is because there's no lights. There's not a lot of light on in the factory at this time. And so the Hulk's kind of walking around, and he really is that monster in the shadows. It's just doing his thing until he finally breaks out and gets away. And then, you know, you, you hear him roar in the distance and that sort of thing. He's gone. And, uh, and, and then Bruce wakes up. He's actually in Guatemala. Somehow the Hulk knew to start heading home because he'd been talking to Mr. Blue and everything. Again, something that was right out of the comics at the time, uh, a, a secretive internet conversation between Mr. Blue, a mystery person, and Mr. Green, who was Bruce. And, uh, and so this, in this particular, this is just a, a minute and 24 second piece of music. But in this, to me, Craig Armstrong won my respect, my love, and my willingness to take a listen to the rest of this because it showed me that, that Louis Leterrier, Craig Armstrong, Ed Norton, everyone that was involved got exactly what made the Hulk special and what fans wanted uh, in the passing of the torch from the original character that we grew up loving on TV to this new form of the Hulk. And it's something that Ang Lee, I don't think, really got. Because if you look at the cameo of Lou Ferrigno and Stan Lee, it is a blink-and-miss-it moment uh, in, in Ang Lee's Hulk. But in this particular Hulk, at the very beginning, as, 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 uh, as, as Bruce is flipping channels there in Brazil, he comes across and stops briefly at, uh, at the courtship of Eddie's father, starring Bill Bixby. And it's a scene, Bill Bixby gets hit in the face, and he's like, Eddie, that was a wonderful punch. And so, um, it, it to me, you know, Bill Bixby had passed on. There's no way to have him make a physical cameo. And they did a great job of having him make an, a, a cameo and thus really pay tribute in the proper way to what had come before. And then, of course, there's the whole scene at the college between Ed Norton and Lou Frigno. And Lou Frigno says, God bless you, brother. You know, and... and and I and look, I know that it, it's it's immature of me and it's stupid of me to think in any way that that was truly uh, Lou Ferrigno passing the torch to Ed Norton in any way, shape, or form in this. But that's really what it felt like in the moment. And uh, and here, Craig Armstrong shows you know pass shows the proper respect to what has been, and now lets us know we're moving forward with just a quick, brief glimpse. Of, of what takes place in this particular track here. Give it a listen. And now we're on the move. Now we've gotten our Lonely Man theme. He's left where he's at. He is on his own, and now he's trying to get home. Now he's trying to get back to the U.S. He's trying to get to Mr. Blue up in New York, and uh, and he's doing it as only Bruce Banner can. And so...
and you're even kind of getting a change in almost a cultural shift you know we've moved away from the latin flair of the music the portuguese flair of the music and and we're moving more into you know what a standard blockbuster movie soundtrack would sound like but he's having these dreams he's having stuff going on and but he's headed home and and that's where he's going so um this is this is Ross talking to Blonsky here. This is a track called Ross and Blonsky. And it just has this sinister flow to it. And the reason I'm 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 going through and moving into this is because of the you just hear kind of like there's no good intention here with this. And and we're beginning to find out what kind of person Blonsky is. He is in the military to fight. You know, he wants to he's not a nice guy. And having seen the power that is in the Hulk, he wants a little bit more of it. And so now, you know, we're getting into the the clandestine as Ross, with his obsession with getting the Hulk, is willing to put this man's life in danger by giving him a serum that may or may not be something he needs in his body. But it's very tonal, you know. It's just kind of this underlying, these low tones that that just kind of say to us, sinister things are afoot. This is not good. And you hear kind of the the twisting of 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 the other theme of the Bruce and Bennett. It's it's twisted a little bit, you see? It's really, to me, just like, it, it, it just like with the Iron Man soundtrack, with the original Iron Man score, you know, listening to what Ramin Jawadi, Jawadi did. Um, as I really paid attention to it, I appreciated it a lot more than I did originally upon first viewing and first listen through because the... Um, the whole the whole idea was really to me i wanted the big blatant john williams themes you know like we got with superman the danny elfman theme like we got with batman um but we're in a new era of movie making we were in the in the early stages of the marvel cinematic universe and so they were all still trying to figure out what this was going to be i still believe that we could have taken some of these themes like the hulk theme and everything and slip them into the Avengers movies here and there. Same thing with, well, they did with Captain America because it was Alan Silvestri. The, the Iron Man stuff didn't stay consistent through three movies, but by the time you got Iron Man 3, they'd kind of settled in. What was done there was a great thing, but I'm, I'm getting way ahead of myself here. I want to, um, to come down here, and we're still on the first disc, and we, we can't go through everything. Um... But I want to uh, to play the actual Hulk theme, what's called the Hulk theme here. And so let me get right there to this.
And so this is uh, <clears throat> this is the Hulk theme as it stands here with this because what you're getting into now, you're you're getting into the different changing, you're getting into just the theme itself and that sort of thing. But it's that dun 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 dun, dun you know, and it'll get bigger, it'll stay kind of smaller, just depending on what what's called for within the theme. But this is kind of like the 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 orchestral piece, the concert suite, if you will, for the Hulk theme. So as we as we move forward through this, um, there is a scene where Blonsky, when he transforms into the Abomination, there. It's a little more staccato. It's a little more. It's a little more monstrous. It has a very classic, really classic. It, it evokes Godzilla feelings for me. But as it continues to build, it gets worse and worse. You see, and it. It's, it's a really good kind of abomination theme because it does sound more foreboding than even the Hulk theme. The Hulk theme is big, it's deep, it's, you know, it's that, it's almost that, it's al it's not like the old 80s cartoon, but it does have that melodrama to it. You know, and, uh, you know, but this kind of, kind of carries, but then when they get into their, their big battle in Harlem, I mean, it's all out. You know, it, it's all kind of coming together. There it is. There's the Hulk. And so what you're getting is some similar themes that were going on earlier on. You know, here we go, like the running away and stuff. But instead, this time now, it's kind of culminating in this moment, this battle between these two monsters. And that's one of the neat things to me is this, this kind of thing that's going on here has been going on through the whole movie but now it's bigger it's louder it's a little more intense because of what is actually taking place the battle is happening the fight in harlem is going on of in the film itself because of the the sound effects kind of 
drowning out this and all the roaring and the fighting, you miss some of this music. I mean, this is a monster movie. I mean, that's really what's happening here. That's what this music is. It's a mon it's monster movie music. See how much bigger it is now the fight is actually happening? These themes have been there the whole movie, but now it's, it's bigger, it matters more. That's just ramping up a little bit. And we're kind of getting into the, we're getting close to where uh, the helicopter comes down and everything. I mean, it's an intense track. It's one of those like you could really almost run to or work out to. Um, this is Are They Dead? This is still all part of that whole thing. And I don't know. This and the next track are all part of that whole deal. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but this is Are They Dead? And I think this is as the helicopter is down. hear the Hulk theme there in the background or the really the Bruce and Betty theme on that piano now the the abomination has showed up at the helicopter Now he and the Hulk are fighting. And this is the moment where it's getting intense because that flame is headed toward the helicopter's gas tanks. Pretty sure that's what's happening here. Yeah, and Abomination is talking smack to him. He's like, "You can't do this," you know. So the Hulk 
has to break free to stop the fire. And there it is, he broke free and did the clap. And of course, the music doesn't quite, it crescendoed, but it didn't get to that, that final note because he got cut off by abomination. But now he's done. The abomination is about to kill the general. Any last words? You know, he's used the chain and stuff to knock the Hulk out. Now Hulk's going to, he's swinging around his head like he's about to kill him. He's like, any last words? And Hulk says, Hulk, smash. Here it is. And so... Yeah, it, I love that at the end of the Are They Dead. It's just, it's it's the building up and it's a superheroic moment where he, he does that thunderclap and, and, and messes up, you know, and, and stops the fire and everything. And uh, and then the rest of it is just a lot of falling action after the Hulk smash line. Um, still in there. And you can hear the Hulk theme over under this. Because what's happening is he's beating the abomination up and about to kill him until Betty stops him. So, uh, and that plays throughout that that portion there. Um, the last track I want to really play, other than the end credits, is uh, is the Bruce and Betty stuff. Because this is where you really get to see that Bruce Betty theme. And this is a concert piece. This sounds more like a concert piece than 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 anything. Um, and you really kind of get to see that theme that kind of plays under everything almost like i say the han and leia theme from empire strikes back you get to see it really and in, in or hear it i should say in all of its glory
the thing is, is there's a lot about this piece where it does build, and it is really a beautiful piece of music, but there's, there's a part where you feel like it never really gets resolved, and that is the Bruce and Betty relationship. They, they never really get resolved from way back in, 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 in the oldest portions of the comics. I mean, they, they were, it was always, we're close, but we're not there. We're close, but we're not there. And, and, and that's something that's captured in this film because, you know, he gets there and you really do. Like when he, you see the pain on his face when he sees her for the first time and she sees him and he's hiding. So she won't, when she comes out in the alley to find him and he's kind of crouched down trying to stay out of the way, he just kind of grabs his heart. And then you see it as they're, both laying in bed when, uh, you know, after she goes and catches him up with him and brings him back home and they're, you know, in separate beds and they're just kind of laying there wide awake, you know. And there was a scene that was cut of him talking to Doc Samson about everything, um, you know, which I wish was still there because I'd love to get Doc Samson eventually as well. But, you know, we won't and that's fine. Um, but I just think that, you know, and and I think what I'm discovering as I go through a lot of these these scores and everything is just how good they actually are. I, I think in 2008, when the cinematic universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe began, I do think that for many of us like me, there was the desire to see all of these heroes get their own theme. You know, and in fact, when Sylvester did the Captain America uh, movie, the first Avenger, we were all like, yes, he finally got his own theme, you know, and then of course that seemed to be abandoned when we get to Winter Soldier and, you know, um, Howard, uh, Howard Jackman, Howard, Jack Howard, uh, I forget who does the score for, uh, the, the Winter Soldier. Um, but, uh, but that, that was all kind of abandoned, um, for that. And, and it, and it seemed a little disappointing. And even when you go from the Avengers into Henry Jackman was the, was the name, when you go from Avengers to Avengers Age of Ultron, even some of those themes, you know, they get kind of, you know, Elfman kind of abandons some of those things. You know, fortunately, Sylvester was brought in to do a little bit more, but, you know, Tyler abandoned some of those things, and Elfman was brought in to kind of bring some stuff around, it seemed like. But anyhow, um, you know, and it didn't seem to all come full circle until we finally got to Infinity War and Endgame with some of the Avengers themes and that sort of thing. But what you really discover throughout these things is something that it seemed like Marvel Cinematic Universe was doing with each individual film. They wanted them to have their own identity. You know, the movies that really tried to shoehorn in that connected universe a lot of times are considered some of the weaker ones. Uh, I'm thinking of Iron Man 2, uh, Age of Ultron, you know, shoot, tried to shoehorn in. It seemed like a lot of people said shoehorn in a lot of different things just to have connective tissue uh, to the rest of the cinematic universe. And, and that sort of thing. But, um, but what you discover is, is that just like with the movies where they wanted them to be kind of their own thing, you know, as part of a larger whole, so are the scores, you know, the scores end up being a little bit kind of their own deal that match the movie that they're a part of. And I think that there, you know, there may be a weakness from a geeky standpoint to, well, why couldn't they kind of look to the whole and say, well, we want to make sure we revisit these things. But I think from a from a filmmaker, from a music writer standpoint, that is very freeing and it and it services that film. And ultimately, a lot of times that's how we have to look at these movies. You know, obviously we look at them as the big whole, the big Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I think when we actually will take them one by one and look at them as individual films with individual scores, with all these individual things, that we'll appreciate them for what they are 
in their in in the form that they are in that moment in that movie. And um and and I think Hulk is no different. I do think that this score and this film kind of get a bad rap. Um you know, people people like kind of kind of jump piling on this thing and I think they like that because of um of Ang Lee's Hulk first and I think that the it's almost the uh the the Phantom Menace kind of thing has gotten applied to this where well this is what you're supposed to not like it you know I think that's what a lot of people think you're supposed to not like it and they say it's weak but I don't I disagree with that completely I think this is just a really good movie I think that it that that were introduced to a lot of concepts that come back around the Captain America serum. Of course, now we you know William Hurt is Ross, who becomes the the Secretary of State, or and that sort of thing. Um, the the whole idea of who the Hulk is and and what causes him to be the Hulk, and you know, and so when we catch up with him later in in Avengers, where he's at and what he's doing, and uh, and that sort of thing. So, um, I. I really absolutely have come to, to, to find myself really digging and loving. Of course, I love this movie from the get go, but even more so the theme, uh, and, and the, and the music now to it. And, and I would, I would commend this music to anyone who wants a, who wants a good soundtrack because this is one of the more complete, uh, scores that you're going to find. You can find it at Amazon music of any of these Marvel cinematic universes. And if you do want to go find an Amazon music, use our link, at geekoutonline.com or geekoutpodcast.com to go search for it. Um, and, I, and, and I think you'll enjoy it. I, I don't know if they still sell it on CD or not, but you can definitely get it through Amazon Music and stream it or listen to it however you, however you choose if you want to download it and have a copy for yourself. So, look, it's been a while since we've been able to get together. And, and I just, this has kind of been on my mind a lot and want to geek out about it. I definitely want to geek out, definitely wanted to geek out about the Incredible Hulk TV show. And I would encourage you get that NBC app and don't try to binge it. It's not a binge watching kind of thing. Um, the pilot episode is there in two parts and, uh, as well as, um, well, you know what is the next one there in two parts too, the, the second or third episode. I don't remember if that's there in two parts or not, but I do know the pilot episode is on there as two parts. And, you know, originally it was released as kind of a movie, a made for TV movie. Um, and so watch those two together and then give yourself a little break and then go back to it and start returning to it, you know, on a nightly basis or daily basis or every other day or whenever you have time, fire up an episode of the Incredible Hulk and don't get stressed out about the commercials in there. I think they add to it because this was a show in its time that was written for having commercial breaks. And it's written around those commercial breaks and it's written to be, you know, to have those in there. So the, the act breaks and the, and the scene breaks are all just right as those commercials come on. And it gives you a chance to kind of refresh and reset and then, and get into what's going on. The earlier, the earlier episodes with some of their graphics and makeup work, not the best, but it does get better as it goes along. Uh, revisit the incredible Hulk, uh, from the Marvel cinematic universe. I think you'll find you enjoyed. It's got some humor in there that the Ang Lee movie did not have. And, uh, and it, and it really, it, people say it doesn't feel like it fits in. I think it does. Um, I, I really do. I think the tone of it and, and how it goes play is a good addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, uh, and so when we meet Bruce again in the Avengers, we know where he had been and we realize that he had been working on getting things under control and, uh, and, and why he is always angry. <laughs> 
and um and then you know of course the the reins being handed off to mark ruffalo uh just it's almost like a different artist or a different writer working on the same characters we've gotten in comics all these years uh, you can email us. I'd love to hear from you. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. Join our group at geekoutonline.com slash group. It's over on Facebook, the Guardians of the Goldiverse. We encourage you to uh, head over to the YouTube and find the Geek Out Loud YouTube and subscribe and like and all that good stuff. And, uh, and, and we'll try to keep having content there as we can. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been great to do a Geek Out Loud. There is, I did have some other stuff I wanted to talk about, but you know what? It would have been kind of some negativity, and I didn't want to bring us down this time around. We were already brought down enough uh, in the early part of the show, so I didn't want to do that any further. But listen, thank you so much for continuing to listen, continuing to be subscribed. Tell your friends about us. This is your safe place to geek out. We just want to have fun, want to have a good time with the stuff that we love. Uh, man, I've got so many toys and collectibles and stuff to talk about that it just there's been so much fun news with the retro Spider-Man stuff and the retro X-Men stuff and the and the Star Wars vintage collection stuff and Black Series Mandalorian coming in October 30th. So just a lot of good stuff uh, coming around and and uh, we can't wait to geek out together about. So until the next time we do this, I'm Steve Glosson and this has been Geek Out Loud. We'll see you on the next Geek Out Loud, everybody. <laughs>